This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey guys, here's a message from one of our partners, SpiderVPN. As we all know, browsing the internet can be full of hidden dangers and snoopers, but you can easily protect yourself and at the same time get access to all your favourite websites and streams by using SpiderVPN. They have some amazing offers right now and have come highly recommended. Check them out at spidervpn.org and uh, get yourself some great offers now. And don't forget to mention Dazzling Dave or Always Wolves to get yourself a real nice discount. That's spidervpn.org. And a very good evening to you all. We're doing the uh, Extra Time show not long after the game. It's, um, well... I feel like we've gone from uh, hero to zero in the last um, few weeks, uh, in the last couple of weeks, after we had so much anticipation and hope um, for what was to come. And now here we are tonight on the end of our third defeat in the space of a week and probably the worst performance um, as well. I mean, West Ham wasn't great to be fair, but today was, I mean, the first half especially was dreadful in my opinion. Uh, it was very, very poor. And, um, you know, is the question that we need to ask uh, tonight is, is Europe's European qualification slipping away? Has Bruno Large got the team selection wrong? Have you heard the comments that he's made directed at some of the younger players in terms of their work ethic, especially uh, Hoover, who came off with that injury today? So there's lots to get stuck into. And um, if you want to get on the show yourself, um, then this is the link that I'm putting in the, um, in the chat. If you click that link, it will take you backstage 
and I want to hear some of you guys in the chat today to come on the show. I know you talk in the chat. I want to hear some of you guys actually come on on the video with us tonight to talk about this defeat, the last week, and those key questions. So get yourself on. Be brave. It's not as scary as you think. And just give your thoughts, give your opinions. We want to hear from some of you guys in the chat. And whilst you're at it, guys, if you're watching, let me know where in the world you're watching from and who with. And, of course, smash a like on the video. So we're going to kick it off tonight. Uh, come on, Tuba Wolves. Let's get you on. Uh, we're going to bring my podcast friend of the show, uh, Paul, who's uh, coming on first tonight, who you would have seen uh, co-hosted with me and Manny uh, the uh, really good podcast that we did uh, with Tim Spears on Thursday night. And if you haven't seen that, it's definitely, definitely worth a watch uh, over the rest of the weekend for sure. Paul, welcome back tonight, mate. Um, sum that up in one word, if you can, to start with. <laughs> Flat. <laughs> That's how I feel after the That's last... polite, I think. Flat. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a polite guy. But the last, last 10 days haven't been easy, but I guess naturally in the season you you are going to get these fluctuations where you get these highs one minute manager of the month won five out of six next minute um everything's a shambles and we've lost three in a row it's just that's football really especially when you're not in the top one of these top three teams everyone else is really prone to these fluctuations i mean uh didn't villa go on a run recently where they won one out of seven and Newcastle won one out of the first 21, but things change. That's my point that I'm making. Nothing really stays the same. And it's only only four or five weeks ago where it, Bruno was manager of the month. And now now we can't pick a starting 11. Can't pick a starting 11. Can't pick a starting 11. Tell me more what you mean about that, Paul. That's a statement, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I think in the last two, well, actually, just. Casting our minds back to Tottenham, um, played really well, front foot performance. Um, as Tim said on the podcast the other night, Conte had to change his tactics to cope with us. And that, that was a 3-5-2, wasn't it? If I'm, yeah. I'm right, Kundal came into the middle and Pedence played off Jimenez. We haven't played that system since. Um, and it worked you know, really well at, at, at Tottenham. Um, and I think at West Ham, we were disappointed when we saw the team sheet, five changes, one of them enforced. Today, we were there were some positives. It was good to see Neto starting again, but um, there were some strange decisions. Um, and I think like from reading some of the comments and seeing stuff online, <clears throat> most people don't agree with the starting eleven and that's where the damage was done, really, today, wasn't it, in the first half? Mate, I've got to say, I don't know if you've watched my uh, reaction after the game, but um, it was with my dad, um, sensation, and my sister went because obviously the producer's got COVID, so um, she wasn't able to go to the game today. And to be fair, if she's going to pick a game to miss, today was it. I mean... 
I think you're being a little bit kind in some ways. I, I'm I'm a big fan of Bruno Large, a big fan since he's come in. I've been really impressed with his tactical uh, nous. But West Ham, five changes, we were flat. And then today, when I saw that neither Raul or Fabio were starting in the front three, and eight Norrie wasn't starting, but he was on the bench. I was thinking, why is Raul not starting? Why is eight Norrie not starting? I kind of bought into it on Thursday. Uh, sorry, yeah, last Sunday, sorry, because they'd played on Thursday. Thought, well, maybe they'd played twice. Maybe they're a bit jaded. But we've had a whole week. What? Explain to me why he's not why those two have not started today. No, that's a very good point. I can't really. Um, if he thinks that Jimenez needs a spell out of the team, that that's up to him. But you'd think, okay, then you play Fabio, don't you? Because I think he actually looked quite sharp against West Ham. I think he caused them some problems, and it was just such a strange decision to play Pedence as a false nine. Who do we think we are? We're not exactly Man City, are we? Um, not yet. No, we're a long way off. Kind of team that's set up to play um, like that, and not only did it did we lose Jimenez, we lost Pedence today because he needs to combine with players. He can't be an isolated forward in that number nine, nine and a half position, whatever you want to call it. He needs to be buzzing around other players and doing these one twos with them. I mean, the biggest problem I've got is I can't see um, how we are trying to score a goal. What's our method? In the past, you could criticise it to an extent, but it was to try and get it wide to Traore or Neto in that season where we were in the Europa League and and get balls in the box. I can't see what the plan is to score a goal. I really can't. Mate, I've said on again on my reaction... What was the game plan today? What was it? The game plan? Can you? Can anyone? Can anyone in the chat tell us what the game plan was today? Because it, for the first ten minutes, I felt like there was a slope towards the towards the South Bank. We didn't. We did. We didn't venture into the final third until about the twelfth minute of the game. That set the stall out. Very much like we set the stall out when we played United and we were on them. And we we weathered that storm and then we had a little bit of a go and then they just tore us apart. And then I've got a video, uh, obviously, on my match vlog, which hopefully some of you will watch tomorrow, which is about a, a minute segment of the game, which I've recorded. And I was obviously commentating, talking over it. And it was Wolves having one, two, three, four or five opportunities to clear that ball away before the ball went into the penalty area and Kilman made that foul. Yes. Kilman made a right mess of it. Go on, Paul. Yeah, they made a, they made a right mess of that. It was just a catalogue of errors and that's a, a good way to summarise the game and in particular the first half. It was just strewn with errors, misplaced passes... <laughs> Players who normally have been really reliable 
dipping in form and just not being a cohesive unit. Um, I think I think what we're hurting ourselves with our lack of ability at the moment to play out from the back. Teams have worked out a way to stop us with that. Crystal Palace were very good at doing that today. Um, at times, really, it was almost like a 4-2-4 they played because Conor Gallagher was really high up the pitch, wasn't he? Conor Gallagher, Rafa, Conor Gallagher, Neves. Yeah, he was pushing right up, wasn't he? And um, that was the problem, I think, early on. We just weren't able to get out. Um, some of the credit obviously has to go to them. Oh yeah, it to us twice this season, and it's a it's a problem that Bruno needs to confront because when teams do press us high, we struggle. So, what's his solution to get around that? Is it to try and go a bit more direct to beat teams' press? Well, Paul, know. I thought we were really direct today, or tried to be really direct. It felt to me, and guys in the chat. Leaving in the in the comments, if you're watching it back after or listening on the podcast, but it felt to me like he got the Speed Kings on, he got Neto on, he got Pedence on, who will run at players, and he got a Wang on, who we know is fast. And it felt to me like he kept, and we saw it a little bit against Leicester last week, where they got the ball and they tried to play this long ball over the top that Wang would run onto because he's quick to try and get and make that run. And they tried it. It seemed very, very direct uh, to me as a game plan. And it never worked, not even once. And it led to led to us giving the ball away. There's so many times that we we got into a position, gave the ball away. And then, then, then you see these passes that come diagonally, which we can pull off. But there's many today that we're just... I think Sensation said on the instant reaction, he said they hit the ball to the space, but you need someone running into that space to get the ball, and the ball was just going to nobody. It was a mess, and it was so hard to decipher what they were trying to trying to do and be interested to get inside that dressing room and find out what the game plan was today. Because let's face it, had, had Crystal Palace won five or six matches all season before today, Two of them have been against us, and we made they're, them look they're like the new They're the new Huddersfield. Huddersfield well, yeah. won three games that one season, and two of them were against us. I remember going to the uh, to their ground out, and all the fans were saying, "Can we play you every week?" Because yeah. they beat us twice. They only won three matches all season. I think we can we could stomach a bit more. One seven yeah. now. Yeah, if there was a performance like that, and it was against a team like Man City or Liverpool, where. They don't give you a minute on the ball. They're a top-class team. But we made an average Premier League team, based on their league position, an average Premier League team look like Barcelona from 2009. And they, they kind of have a Barcelona strip, didn't they? Yeah. In terms of their yeah, club. So, I mean, I just can't get my head around as well. 14 home league matches, 10 goals. Three of those were against Southampton. Two against Newcastle. Uh, two against Leicester. It's laughable, isn't it? Really, and mate, we, we've had, we've had, we've failed to score in something like thirteen or fourteen games this season. Thirteen. That's, or, a, that's virtually fifty percent of our games we've not scored. Now we've done well because the defence have been fantastic, but the defence are now making mistakes. Yeah, yeah, that's we're losing games. I mean, that's 
scoring only half of your matches is like relegation form, really. And it's crazy to think that um, 10 days ago, at nine o'clock on a Thursday evening, we were fifth. And, you know, how is that even possible? Was that before the game finished? Yeah, I mean, uh, 70 odd minutes into the match, the league table was updated on the screen and we we were fifth. And um, I think if we try and look on the bright side or the positives, we lost the first three matches of the season. He then went away and started to do things differently. And we went on a great run. So it's not the first time we've lost three on the bounce. Let's hope. I mean, we were hoping for a reaction today. Listen, I'm quite a calm person and I can take losing games. I think any Wolves fan can take losing at games and Bruno's done a fantastic job and we've seen us play fantastically well. It, Man United, Tottenham, we've seen some, you know, early season, we've played some brilliant uh, with fight and high energy and stuff. But like Leicester last week, we got away with it. Um, yeah. If you go back four games, we won the game 2-1, but Leicester were battering a second half when we sat back. Yeah. We went away to Arsenal. We got an early goal. We nearly got away with it. Um, Staunch, you know, you can't say the effort. The, the team were putting the effort in. We got caught with a great bit of skill and then a bit of bad luck. We lost the game. No shame in losing away at the Emirates to Arsenal. They were up for it. And we were, you know, we would deserve probably they'd probably deserve to win, but for the effort, we probably deserve to get a point. And I know we were defending too deep. It was very Nuno-esque in that sweat. And then we go to West Ham. We go to West Ham three days later, we're another rival, and he changes five players, and we were not at the races. We looked lacklustre, lethargic, we lacked in creativity, invention. We never looked in the game until he made the changes later, until they scored. And then all of a sudden we got a bit of a reaction. And then obviously we saw the players coming on and we, we looked a bit, lot better when Jimenez came on because Jimenez was dropped for that game. Ain't Norrie was dropped for that game. We had Marcel and Hoover in for those games, you know. And then today I'm thinking, OK, that's fine. I can... It was, a, it was a bad day at the office. We played two yeah. or three days before. So you make excuses, don't you, to think, OK, energy levels, you know, we lost the game, only 1-0. And then I'm expecting today, I mean, we spoke, obviously Tim Spears on the uh, the podcast on thing, he was like, we're going to win this, no problem, it's going to be. And I said, um, again, in my re- uh, talking before the game about starting fast, Referring again in the in the in the match reaction, which you probably haven't seen yet, referred to your comments about your bugbear about not getting out the blocks first. And I'm looking at that team sheet when it comes out, and I'm going, I'm I'm worried again. I'm like, why is Eight Norrie not starting? Because the wing backs are so key to how we play, and Eight Norrie is the one that's very very um, attack minded. There was a. There was a move in the second half, I think it might have been the first half actually, whereas Pedence got the ball and he tried to play a diagonal across to where the wing back should be. And Marcel's there, stood, doesn't, it's not running towards into the space, he stood back. Eight Norrie would have been running 
attacking that to try and get the cross in. And then why is he? Why has Raul not started? Raul's had a lot of stick, right? And I know I'm on a little bit of a rant here, and apologise everyone, but Raul's had a lot of stick, right? He's not the player he was two years ago. The guy nearly died. He's come back, and he can still put a go. He's he's not quite on it. I know there's a section of the fan base that have gone on his got his thing, and that's got to affect the guy. But you saw how important he is to this team today because we had nothing that was sticking up front. He does more than score goals. He wins headers in the box. He, you know, he puts himself about. He's got skill. He will run at players. He, at times he was playing as a winger, you know, and he, he, he holds the ball up because he's got that strength and brings other players in to get the attack. You know, when he came on, we looked a, we looked a better unit today, but we still couldn't finish. When Chikino came on, we looked a better unit. Yeah. Paul, am I am I seeing this wrong, or am I right with what I'm saying? No, I I agree with what with what you're saying. It's just um, really worrying how little threat we carry. We're just not hurting teams at all. I think um, Anderson and Mark Gay have had like the, the easiest game that they've had. All season, goalkeepers barely got his kit dirty again, and teams must love playing against us at the moment because we're just so easy to defend against. Sixty-one percent possession, no threat, no cutting edge. No, well, we had more possession against West Ham, yeah, and same. the goals, the goals shots as well, the shots. But again, they are not. Was the one clear cut, real golden chance that we created? No, I think. I've seen a replay of um, Pedence plays Chiquinho through and he just goes to clip it over the keeper. The keeper actually makes quite a good save. Good save, yeah. Is it the South Bank um, end that was? But I don't think that was probably our best opening and I don't think there was certainly not a clear-cut chance again. I think we spend so little time with the ball not in the box. We're so reluctant to put the ball in. We heard Tim the other night try to explain why that was a bit. But you score goals inside the box and we're not getting enough balls or players inside the box and that's what's killing us, I think. Well, well, Tim Spears gave us a really interesting stat. He said like, when Raul was playing up front before his injury, Wolves were the second highest in crosses into the box. Since he's wearing the headband, Wolves are the second lowest with crosses into the box. Only Leicester ranked lower than us. That's what he said, wasn't it? It was, and but in that time as well, don't forget we've got a change of manager, who's got a different philosophy. But that, yeah, there's just no crosses coming in, no service, no chances being missed. We're just so easy to play against, and um, whatever he does for Thursday, I hope it's something that um, is effective because we can't lose two home matches against that opposition in the space of a week. That would really, um, really hurt us. I think. Well, Crystal Palace, we know that they're they're not a bad side. They're a little bit, they can be a bit hit and miss at times. Yeah, you know this season. Watford are a team that's fighting to stay up. That, that you know, up until recently, they hadn't felt that that they conceded in every game. And the expectation is on Thursday that we're going to turn. We we should turn up and we should beat Watford. And if we lose to Watford at home, and we put in another performance like this. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to be good. I mean, what did you think? And I will ask um, Matt and Jack this as well. 
What did you think of Bruno's comments at the end of the game today? I don't know if you've heard them. Clearly, he's hurting. I suppose it's it's kind of good in a way that he's that he's riled. It's it's good that he's angry. It shows that he cares. But um, I think he's got to tread carefully, really, because when you start calling players out publicly, and I've only quickly read what he said, so forgive me if I've not quite got the right end of the stick. But it seems like he's Sign, uh, singling out Hoover. Um, well, I'll read you the quote. I'll read you the quote, Paul. Yeah, read it, read it again for me. Um, so, because we put this out on the... Uh, Emma put this out on the Always Walls socials. Large on Hoover's injury. I have too many... I have too many kids in my team that do not work the way they should. And this... And then, when they come into the team... This kind of thing happens. Injuries can happen, but this only happened because he's not prepared. I don't waste time with guys that do not work. Because he went down with kind of cramp. I was thinking cramp after 25 minutes. Basically, I think he's basically saying he got cramp after 25 minutes because he's not training at the right capacity. And it seems like he said, kids, it's not just aimed at Hoover. It's aimed at, is that why eight Norrie was on the bench? I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing that was strange, or that's what I'm scratching my head about. Who else is he referring to with that? It's clear that he's talking about Hoover in terms of the injury, and he's not training to the right intensity to make himself match ready, and it's hurt the team today because he's had to make an early change. What I want to know is what he's going to do about it as well. If he feels that way, if he feels that there's not the intensity there, he's the boss, what's he going to do to make sure they do? What well, kind of discipline does, is he going to bring in to ensure that high standards are maintained every day in training? Because that's what we expect as fans. And if you've not seen the full um, interview with Bruno Large, if you go on to um, the Always Walls Twitter page, we've, um, uh, the producers shared the, the video of him. So watch it back. Um, interestingly enough, um, I'm going to go and scroll down to um, Tim Spears here. He said this was a dismantling of KJ Jana Ho Hoover. Not seen large that angry before. Says it's not just him, but a general attitude amongst the young players. They expected things handed to them. But the comments specifically at, at Hoover are absolutely damning. Blamed him for getting injured. Do you think that's the right thing to do as the coach to single a, a player out like that? Because I don't know. It doesn't happen a lot, does it? Not in public. I wouldn't. I would go down that route in public, and maybe to an extent, Bruno's a fairly inexperienced head coach or manager. We know he's worked in the game a long time, but um, you know he's not worked in the Premier League before. He's certainly not been a, a head coach at that level. So I think maybe he's let um, you know spoken a bit too emotionally there. And if he feels like that, which he might well be um, entitled to, say it to him behind closed doors. He's a young lad. He's a young lad, isn't he? He's a young lad. And that kind of is quite a public criticism. Um, but maybe he's frustrated that, and he has spoken to him behind closed doors. And this is basically, there you go, type of thing. You, you just thought he would have spoke to him. I, I don't know. Was it 10 million we paid for Hoover? And he's given him two starts in a row. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't know the context. Maybe this has been rumbling on for a while. Maybe he's already tried the behind-closed-doors approach. Maybe he's tried the arm around the shoulder. Maybe he feels like, okay, I've exhausted plan A, B and C with him. I need to try something else to to get into his head and get the best out of him. I don't know. But... Um, well, it can go. This can go one or two ways with Hoover. Yeah, it, it, it can either basically destroy his confidence, and that's the end, the last we'll see of him ever, and they'll sell him in the summer because um, he's never really made it. Or he'll take it as it is, and he'll it, really want to show and work harder. So, it, it, with that, it's kind of going to be how is he going to take it? What type of character is he to take that? And what sort of cross across the bow? I mean, he's obviously not happy, but I do think Bruno has to. Bruno, you some you, you we've got a Lord Bruno for what he's done with the team, how he's adapted with the team that he's got. Um, he's got us to where he is. Fantastic for the first season, but you do, and and we do on this channel have to call out our thoughts when we think he's got it wrong. And I think he, I thought he got it wrong against West Ham. I thought he got it wrong today. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Seeing the bigger picture, we've we've got to be happy with the amount of points we've got. But at the same time, the manager has made, in my opinion, and I think your opinion as well, some errors which have led to uh, losses recently. Um, and it's just got to be careful with this um, public hanging, if you like, of players because that could really backfire, not just for Hoover, but for other players in the dressing room as well, if they start to... Um... Well, this is one of the things I think what Neves said on his interview, it's the best dressing room is, is uh, they've got. And if the players that do not work hard or pull the same direction, you're not welcome. Yeah, I mean, that's really good to hear from a player of such influence. Maybe, I mean, another thing to take into account, maybe some of the senior players also feel the same about Hoover. And maybe, maybe they'll be pleased that Can I if say Neves has said that and they want to, you know, go, they want to shut him out of the of the in-group, if you like. So maybe the maybe some of the senior players have like privately had enough as well and maybe they're pleased that the manager's called him out. I don't know. Interesting. Well, we're going to... Uh... Come on into a minute to your, your player rating and your and your um, man of the watch and positives, which I can see you squirming already. And guys, if you disagree with us in the chat, let us know. If you want to come on, um, I will again drop the link down. If you want to get on, we do have Matt coming on, and also we we have Jack, which I know you all love to hear from Jack as well, uh, mate. Uh, one thing I will say in regards to the Hoover situation, the young players, you saw, I personally saw Matinho in the second half virtually single-handedly try to drag the team up. This guy is 35 years of age. He's like, shouldn't be the the, the fittest on the pitch. But he, Matinho is a born winner. The way he trains, he's like, you know, that he, he just got that mentality to, to train. I think Bruno might have mentioned about him, but Matinho, to me, was fantastic in the second half. He was trying to make things happen. He was like a terrier everywhere, trying to lift the team. And 
it was matched by some of the rest of the players. But like he's 35. Hoover is, I don't know, is he 19, 20, 21? He should be like fitter than Matinho, you know, have more energy because of his age. But Matinho showed the energy. Yeah. And it comes back down to standards and attitude, doesn't it? I guess. But and we know that Matinho has that in abundance. Absolutely. So, Paul, um, come on then. Let's start with your uh, Wolves man of the match. Um, there were a few players that I thought in the circumstances did okay. So I made a couple of good saves. Uh, I know on quite a few occasions it's when the linesman's flag went up about 10 minutes after it should have gone gone up, but he still made the saves anyway. Um, I thought I thought if, if there was going to be a goal, it was probably going to come from something that Neves had, had done. But I agree with you about Martinho. That's, he's going to get my vote. I don't actually think he gave the ball away. Hardly. One of the few that didn't. I, I, he didn't hurt the opposition. He didn't make any telling passes. But uh, full of commitment. I thought he was quite tidy on the ball. And I agree with what you said about his um, desire to try and drag us up the pitch a bit. So... I'll go Matinho. Uh, and your performance rating, Paul? I'm really yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you're going to give this. At half-time, I don't know if it would have been generous to give it a two at half-time. I was a 2.5 for half-time, and that, I think I was generous. Yeah. Actually, I think it could have been more than 2-0. It could have been quite easily. Um, overall... I don't know if I'm being slightly generous, but I'd probably say a four. Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I gave it a, a 4.5 because I gave the second half 6.5 for effort and the first half 2.5, so I was 4.5. So you're in the same ballpark as me. Yeah, I mean, we didn't completely down tools. We did have some decent possession, um, but we just didn't hurt them. We didn't, and it's becoming an issue. Um, and, Paul... Is Europe slipping away? It's looking more challenging than it was 10 days ago, but things, as I said earlier, things can change quickly. Um, things have got to change because we can't keep going on like this. Um, I'm not expecting us to get into Europe. I never was from the start of the season. I obviously thought we've got a good chance. So let's see. I haven't West Ham lost today. West Ham lost, didn't they, to Liverpool just. Um, Southampton and Brighton both lost as well. So the gap to ninth is still five points. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't give up. We've made it harder for ourselves than it could have been. But we couldn't keep up that run of form. We couldn't maintain those clean sheets. It was unrealistic to think we would. We weren't going to keep winning five out of every six matches. So take the rough with the smooth and hopefully um, he can come up with a good plan for Thursday. Well, I think he needs to. Paul, thank you as always. Um, first up tonight, much appreciated. And um, don't forget to watch back uh, Thursday night's podcast. If you've not seen that with uh, Tim Spears, it's very insightful. We talk about um, Foson's ambition. We talk about the Molyneux redevelopment. Uh, we talk about transfers. We talk about summer window. We talk about Wolves women. We've got loads in there and it's definitely worth a watch back on YouTube or on the Always Walls podcast. 
Paul, thank you very much. And um, let's hope um, that I'm guessing uh, we've got Watford on Thursday, right? And it's, is it Everton on Sunday? Everton on Sunday. So there won't be an extra time after, uh, probably after Watford, but we'll, we, there will be one um, after the Everton game. So we'll obviously be able to look back at both those two. And hopefully I'll see you either at the Watford game or away at the Everton match. Mike, grab you on the instant reaction at the end again after the away yeah, game. Both. Yeah. Fantastic. Cheers, Paul, mate. Yeah, and, and thanks to everyone for the nice feedback about the podcast as well. I really enjoyed it and um, it was great to listen to Tim. And we've got um, uh, hopefully a, a couple of other interesting guests coming up in future podcasts as well. We'll, we'll yeah. keep things under wraps for that at the moment. Cheers, Paul. Yeah, cheers, everyone. See you soon. Nice one. Absolutely. Uh, there's Paul. Always talks a lot of sense. Absolutely brilliant. And now we're going to uh, bring on Matt, all being that he hasn't got crickets in his computer, that he's not in bed and he's not falling asleep. But let's give him a go. Hello, Matt. I am awake. You're awake. That's a good start. Dave. And it doesn't sound like you've got crickets. Before no. we get on to you, I just want to uh, draw everyone's attention to the football prizes. Um latest competition that's uh, just been up. This is to win uh, a 2021-22 signed and framed authenticated Wolves pennant. Uh, The link is in the description below under this video or on a podcast if you're watching it on your podcast. And you've got until Wednesday evening at 7.30 to enter. I think there's a maximum of 65 entries, even if there's only two. So I think there's about 20, 23 entries so far. And a winner will be drawn from one of those on Thursday live on their Facebook. So, Matt, you you watched I, the game you were there today? Yeah, I left after 75 minutes because I thought, this is fucking... You painful. did what? You <laughs> left after 75 minutes? It was painful to watch. I, I couldn't. I can't, I can't say I blame you, Matt, although I will point out that when we played Villa away... And we were two nil down. Uh, uh, my one of my niece's fella was there, and he left after seventy five minutes, or probably earlier. And he says, "I've got to go, Dad. Can't take any more of this." And I says, "Don't leave." And then we won three two. You never know in football, but as it happens, you were. I can't say I blame you. I think a few others were walking out with you at that point, mate. I mean, I I came out again, and all I did, I was I was shooting. <laughs> I mean, I still have. Because, I mean, singling out players publicly isn't the best approach. Because Mourinho did that. Was it, was it when he was at United or was it at Chelsea? I think it was when it was at United. And it got in the sack. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you're comparing Bruno Large to uh, Matinho that, you know... Uh, Mourinho, sorry, not Martinho. I'm being a dad there. And I don't think Bruno Lodge is on that thing. I think it's definitely frustration that's bubbling over. I also think maybe this is uh, some of the frustration, maybe is about what he needs in the transfer window. We talked uh, a lot about Bruno Lodge and what he's, and Tim uh, Spears on the podcast, hopefully you've watched that back um, on Thursday night, was saying that Bruno Lodge does want to play a 4-2-3-1 formation. That's what he wants to play. And he hasn't got the players to do it at the moment. He expects that's what's going to happen. And you can see from the forward players that we've got, 
in a 4-2-3-1 formation, you can see a lot of those that would slot into that type of formation. But it's the defensive side at the moment and the mid and the midfield. But mate, I mean, give me some positives out of the game if you can. As you said, Martinia. He was the only positive I can give you is Martinia. Martinia. Is that the only positive you get? I thought. And I'm going to give... second half, you were a bit more positive. Yeah. I'm going to to give you a couple of positives for you to think about and for everyone in the chat. I thought Johnny Otto did okay when he came on. I thought he was obviously not starting because he was not expecting to play 90 minutes, but he ended up playing about 75 minutes. And I thought he did okay. He didn't really let anyone down. Um, He tried to make things... It's, it's, you know, and he's obviously not fully match fit. So in the circumstances, thought he did well. I thought uh, Shakino, when he came on, was very direct. He had that chance. He tried to chip it out of the keeper. Keeper made a decent save. I thought he looked good and direct again. I didn't think we got Neto into the game. He started him, but I do, I do think that is because he didn't have anyone really to link up no. with, like Raul or or even a Fabio will do that sort of job. Yeah. Um, but it was disappointing. I mean, what are you? How do you take stock from this game in the last three games? It's a fact of seeing Neto back. He's really good. Yeah. But, however, you we can't rush him. But giving him game time, he's good. Knowing that he's back. Um. I mean, I'll say the post-match comments is a positive, really, because it shows he's passionate and he just wants the best for him. You want about Bruno? Yeah, I mean, you take Jamie R, for example. He was a bad egg. When Kenny Jacket came in, he got rid of him and it improved the squad morale. Well, there was a bit of a clear out. That was in uh, that was in League One. I just think, you know, at Wolves fans, we do. We're now in the Premier League, um, and I think it always seems to happen with Wolves um, when we're looking to try and achieve something like the FA Cup was a very big disappointment against Norwich um, when it was an opportunity to to progress. And obviously, we were like two or three weeks ago thinking, oh, well, we can do get some results against Arsenal and West Ham. We can think about Champions League. And now... Um, We've lost three games in a row, and the conference league looks starting to slip out. I don't think it's. I don't think Euro, European qualifications out the question, but we've got to pick. We've got to put two or three results back to back now to get ourselves yeah. back in a position to seriously challenge. And hopefully that can happen because you will go through periods in any season where you don't get the look or results go against you, that type of thing. But I think it, my concern is the last four games is the performance levels and how we've been on the back foot for most of it. I mean, I was watching the under-18s and obviously I'm going to the under-18s game on Wednesday night at Old Trafford. And obviously I, I went to the women's game on Wednesday and the performance levels were there. I mean, obviously the women don't get paid. But the women show passion. 
that the men aren't showing at the minute. And that, you're saying what, that Wolves, you, are you basically saying that the Wolves side are not showing any passion for, for, for the team? The last few games, they haven't shown the energy levels that we know they can show. The motivation's not there. But that, that, that only comes with losing back-to-back games. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously it's different levels, but, uh, you know, it's great. We must do shout out to the Wolves women who are doing fantastically well and the under-18s, which have obviously got an opportunity to get <clears throat> through to uh, the FAU final, which is great that you're going. Uh, mate, to finish off with, with yourself, um, give us your man of the match and your performance rating for today. Again, I'm going to go with Martini. I've got to agree with you and Paul. Um, match rating. Three and a half. Three and a half. Purely because today but, was a big opportunity for us. And mate, we uh, bottled it. There's a lot of people probably will agree with you on three and a half. I say Paul gave it a four. I gave it a four and a half, which is very low for me. And that's only because it was salvaged a little bit by the second half performance. Otherwise, it would have been even lower. Mate, thank you so, so much. No and uh, we'll talk ahead of the... Uh, we've got the... Um, under 18s game coming up on Wednesday night. So that's brilliant. And then we've got Watford on Thursday. Cheers, buddy. All right, no problem. Thanks, Matt. As always, brilliant, mate. So that's uh, Matt with his thoughts. Do you agree? Do you agree? I'll tell you what, I am really, really looking forward to this next guest. Always talks a lot of sense. Always says it how it is. And we're going to see what Jack has to say. Hello, Jack. Evening, Dave. Evening, everybody. We all I was okay? Really and you popped up. Uh, had you been drowning your sorrows in the pub after the match? I think we have to, don't we? After a, an afternoon like today, it's, it's the only thing you can do, isn't it? Kind of just wash it away and, and try and you know, put some perspective on it and try and rationalise it in a way, if you like. And, and that's kind of what you have to do, isn't it? Because what we saw today just wasn't good enough. And I think, you know, if you take it in isolation, then it, then it's a it's an atrocious performance. But you you kind of look at patterns and you look at different things that are going on and you try and sort of, like I say, try and rationalise it and try and come to some sort of conclusion as to as to why we were so poor and and whether it was individuals, whether it was tactical, whether it was selection, and, and you just kind of swirl all those ideas around, don't you? And and kind of that that sometimes that helps, doesn't it, when you kind of come off a disappointment. Well, look at that stat that Graham Jay's put up. If that's correct, 10 goals in 14 home games, he said. He doesn't need Sherlock Holmes to find out where it needs sorting. Yeah, that that's kind of it in a nutshell, isn't it? We're not a, a goal-scoring team, are we? You, you look at through the squad, really, we haven't got goal scorers coming out the seams, have we, like like certain other teams have. You know, Rell's obviously our, probably our, our premium goal scorer, but he's coming off a, off a serious injury, isn't he? Um, Neto is coming back from serious injury. Pedence, I don't think, will ever be prolific as good a player as he is, and he has been in recent weeks. He's not going to be prolific. Uh, Wang is probably not going to be prolific goal scorer. I like some of the things he brings to the team. Um, Trincao, we're not going to talk about him. Um, you know, Neves and Matinho are fantastic players, but not prolific. We don't get a lot from the wing backs in terms of goals. You know, centre backs get the odd one a season, don't they say, as a decent record for a centre half? But like we say, we've not got a, a, a massive amount of goal scorers. You don't look at the squad and, and think, you know, oh, he'll score today. 
you know, when when we were in the in the championship, for example, and we were sort of walking the league, you look through the squad, you thought, oh, Jota will score today. But if he doesn't, Bonatini will. And if he doesn't, a phobie will. Maybe Costa will. Cavaliero might. You know, you had goal scorers there in the team. When you've got goal scorers, it makes it so much easier because you don't have to play well sometimes. You can have a decent game and your goal scorer will get you something out of a half a chance and you'll win the game. You think about right the way back to the start of the season when we played Leicester away. Now, I thought we were the better team in that game, but they had a goal scorer in Vardy who took a half a chance and turned it into a a great goal scoring opportunity. And they won the game. And then that's kind of what we haven't had all season. And you think about the game today, the first goal that Crystal Palace got, I mean, I haven't watched it back, but it looked like the ball just sort of spun and then sort of bounced perfectly for their guy. If that was us, we wouldn't have anyone there to put it in. That's and, true. And that's kind of the problem we've got. We haven't got at the minute, whether it's the, the tactics, the formation, player confidence, I don't know. But we just don't seem to be in that position to score goals. Sometimes you've almost got to gamble, haven't you? And think, well, the ball might just bounce to me or the defender might miss it. Or, you know, the guy who's on the ball now might be able to beat his man and put a cross in. And I'm going to gamble and, and get myself in there. And we just don't seem to be doing that. And I mean, that stat that, that the guy put on there, 10 goals in 14 games. I mean, if you were fighting relegation, you'd be disappointed with that return. So to be in the top half and to have that record, it, it you know, it's not good enough, is it? That's the bottom line. Oh, absolutely, mate. Uh, and I, I thought you'd gone for a second there, but you're back. Uh, yeah. um, um, Jack, talk about, obviously you went to the pub after the game for a drink. Yeah. Tell me what the conversations were in that pub. Well, I think the conversations were the same that, that everyone's having on, on your chat and, and the guys that have come on previously. And I mean, we, we all see the game, don't we? We all have different opinions on it. We all see it through our own eyes and our own perspective. But we could all see. I mean, for me personally, I thought that the game was lost with the team selection. I, I, lo- I, looked, I looked through that lineup and I thought, that's not a team that's going to win that game. Tell me why. Because I, I, that front three has absolutely no presence at all. You're playing against Crystal Palace. We knew from Sellers Park in November or October, whenever it was, they're a physical, aggressive, strong side. And you've got to go and match them. You've quick, got to go very at quick. Least, at least a quick pace, yeah, quick. You've got to at least try and match them for that. Now, we haven't got a, an abundance of that in the team. But Neto, Wang and Pedence is not a front three that's going to cause a Premier League back four any problems physically. It, running in behind, getting getting on the ball, little one-twos, yeah, you can cause problems with those players. But just physically, we just, we just aren't up to it. And I looked at the front three and I just thought, well, there's no goals there. I don't know what Fabio had done to deserve to be dropped. Maybe he's one of the players that Bruno's sort of singling out when he says he's got young players that, that aren't working hard. I don't know. Obviously, we'd, that would just be speculation, wouldn't it? Um Marcel and, and Hoover at wing-back. I mean, I was saying to the people around me, and I've said in the pub after the game, if Samedo and Aitnori aren't fit or aren't available, we can't play with wing-backs. No. If, if you're a wing-back at Wolves, you don't need to be able to defend because you've got three centre-halves behind you and a very good goalkeeper. What you've got to do is contribute in attack. Crosses, uh, getting involved in one-twos, overlapping, underlapping. Marcel has a nosebleed when he crosses the halfway line. I made a point earlier on in the thing, I don't know if you caught it, about um, Pedence 
played a, a through diagonal ball to the wing-back position and Marcel was just standing, whereas yeah. Aitnuri would have been running on, trying to get yeah. on the end of that. And that, yeah. in a nutshell, without, with those two wing-backs that we had on, we do not function. It's not functioning. No. No, and, and, that's and that's where backwards and sidewards, and that's and where Bruno has to kind of. We haven't got the options overlapping. Yeah, and that's where Bruno has to kind of earn his corner as a manager, and recognise that problem and go. Well, actually, it's no good saying right. This is our system. This is how we play. And if our first choice players aren't available, someone else will step in. You know, if Samedo's not available, and Ain't Nuri's not fit because my mates just technically say he had the virus this week and he's only trained on Friday. In which case. Fair How does he know that? I don't know how he knows that. He's just, just told me that that's what he said. So, um, so if, if he has to you can understand why Aitnuri Nuri yeah. didn't start. Because to me, that was the other big miss in the team sheet today. Is like, why is Aitnuri Nuri not starting? Why is me, he not starting? For me, I've said, I've said since day dot, really, of all the young players we've got coming through, Aitnuri's Nuri's going to be the best of the lot. I think he's going to be a top level left full-back, left wing-back, whatever position you want to call it. You know, you look at the, the, the left full-backs and the wing-backs in the, in the top level of the Premier League, Robertson, people like that. I think he's got the potential to be right up there. And for me, he'd be starting every single week if he's fit and available. And that's, and that's not just because he's, you know, better than Marcel and better than, than Ryan Giles and, and all that. He's a very, very good player. And, and when he's not available and when Samedo's not available, we have to change the system. Because if, if we're playing with the back three and we're playing Hoover and Marcel at wing-back, you add Saar in there, that's six defenders. Neves and Matinho are defensive-minded midfielders. That's eight. So you've got a maximum of three forward-minded players on the pitch. You're not going to cause many teams at this level problems with three out of your 11 being forward-minded. You know, Crystal Palace are a very solid decent Premier League outfit. They'll probably finish ninth, tenth, something like that. You know, so then they're not mugs. You know, and we saw at Sellers Park, you know, like we said, they're physical, they'll get in your face, you know, they'll outrun you, they'll battle, they'll press. And we just never looked up for it today. It just felt everything just felt flat. Mate, and we didn't look up for it against West Ham either. No. It was very I, much I, the same. Yeah, I think what someone needs to do, whether it's one of the assistant managers needs to sit Bruno Large down tomorrow morning with a pen and a paper and say, right, write down your best 11 and pick it on Thursday. Because at the minute, he's getting so confused with his tactics and his selections and he's almost trying too hard and he's overcomplicating it and he's picking players, you know, for no obvious reason. I mean, the front three against West Ham didn't work and he's changed all three again today and it didn't work for different reasons. You know, and you've got Raul sat on the bench. You know, we all know what's gone on with Raul this season and he's not been at his best, but at least he's a presence, at least he's physical. He'll win he'll try and win headers, he'll he'll press, which is what you kind of needed today. You know, it was obvious to everyone in the stadium, I think, that that we were missing physicality on all over the pitch, really. You know, I mean I think we have to have to be honest and say Crystal Palace deserved to win. They were far better. Oh, definitely. Than far, if they'd have won by more, you couldn't have complained. No, no. And, and, you know, and obviously the first half was very reminiscent of the Brentford game, wasn't it? Right back at the start of the season where it was two and a half time. And you're thinking, blimey, that could have been three or four. Second half, we had a bit more of a go, but I just never felt like we were going to score. 
to be honest, and, I was I was a bit the same. I thought we didn't feel like we were going to score. And and you know, people are sort of saying, well, they left after seventy five minutes. You know, they left early. This, that, and the other. People are entitled to do what they like. You know. And if there was ever a game to leave with 10 minutes to go, it was today because you just didn't feel like it was ever, ever going to happen for us. I actually thought Chiquinho made probably the biggest impact of anyone when he came on. Yeah, I agree. Just, just because he, he had an aggression about him. The first thing he did was was clatter the goalkeeper. You know, and some, and sometimes, as daft as it sounds in football, it's something like that that gets everyone going. A, a big tackle or, you know, a big 50-50 that your player wins. And the crowd go, yeah, come on, we're up for this now. And the the players around you go, yeah, he's done well there. I'm gonna I'm gonna support him and, and do my bit as well. I just never got that feeling all through the game really, that the players fancied it. Do you know what I mean? It was just going through the motions a little bit. We were drifting through the game, and you could kind of just feel like we were just ticking the minutes off, and no one really grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and, and kind of went. This isn't good enough. We've got to we've got to pick it I up. Thought, I thought I thought Martinho did that. I thought Martinho was the one player that really tried to to grab the game by the especially in the second half. I felt he was really putting in a shift to try and you know get the team back on the front foot. I thought he was the one player that did that second half, I and mean, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean he, he was okay, wasn't he? But again. You know, he's, he's an experienced 100 cap international player. That's kind of what you want from him, isn't it? Yeah. That, that he's a leader. Yeah, he's a leader. He's, he's, a, he's a big sort of person in that dressing room, isn't he? What I'm, what I'm meaning in general is that, you know, you've got to win your individual battles, haven't you? You know, and, and I don't think any player, particularly today, will come off that pitch and think, in a wolf shirt anyway, I've got the better of my, my counterpart today. And I think that's kind of, you know, when you play in a Crystal Palace, a Southampton, a Leicester, an Aston Villa, those teams in the middle, you win those individual battles, you win the game. You do? You know, and and we've seen that at times in the season when we've beaten those teams. We've had players that have won their individual battle and got us a goal or, or got us a clean sheet. Or, uh, and today it didn't happen. Today it just wasn't, like I say, wasn't good enough. And that that's kind of the bottom line, isn't it? You can kind of, like we've just dissected it and you can talk about this, that and the other. The bottom line is we just weren't good enough. And sometimes, in a way, that, that's easier to, to kind of take because you can just move on. You can just say, right, today was awful. Today was atrocious, terrible, whatever you want to say. Just move on. It's the games where you lose 1-0 and you don't feel like you deserve to lose that niggle away at you all week, don't they? And you kind of, you're still on Wednesday at work. You're still going, oh, I wish we'd have won on Saturday. This game today, we just didn't deserve anything from it. So we've got to just put it to one side and go, that was rubbish. Let's move on. Well, definitely. I mean, you look, you think, I mean, personally, I think we look a better side at the moment when we play a 3-5-2. Um, when we did both of those, when we played United, and I know we're at home, but like it just, we just seem more solid um, and we just seem more threatening in that formation. I know he's been playing 3-4-3 in the last four games, really, because uh, he didn't, he played 3-4-3 um, against Arsenal as well. When In the other away games, when we'd done really, really well, he'd gone th- pretty much 3-5-2. And I don't know whether we needed three midfielders in on the park again today to get a grip I, of the game. I, I think that's probably... <coughs> excuse me. That's probably our basis, isn't it? The 3-5-2. The 3-4-3 is kind of our ace up the sleeve, isn't it? Where we can kind of catch teams out almost. If, if you were... 
an opposition manager, if you're Patrick Vieira today or you're Roy Hodgson on, on Thursday, you're expecting Wolves to play 3-5-2. That's kind of what we do. So the 3-4-3 becomes your, your alternate, doesn't it? And you can catch teams out, catch them cold and kind of go... That's, what, that's what happened at Arsenal. Um, yeah. When we went, when he switched to the three four three, but every game since he's played three four three. Yeah, and and I think we've got we've got to kind of, you know, like we've said before, horses for courses. Some games three four three is great, you know, because we need those three forwards on the pitch to to affect the game and to to really sort of drive us forward. Whereas a lot of games we'll need the three five two, because our our central midfielders in particular work better as a three than as a two. I mean, we've talked about Dendonk. I know he didn't play today, but He's awful in a, in a two-man midfield, but in a three-man midfield, he's very effective. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, th- and I think Martinho, with it, with his age and, and his experience, where he's got two partners in the middle, he can just control the tempo really nicely. In a two, that workload just increased a little bit, and he's not always effective. And I think that's probably the problem we've got in a in a sort of a broader sense is that actually we've got a lot of players in our squad who su- suit a certain system and a certain way of playing, and we're probably not as adaptable as, as other squads. You know, you look at Manchester City, for example, they've got four or five forwards that could play them in any combination and, and they'll be effective. Now, we're not competing with Manchester City. Of course we're not because of the finances. But we need players in our squad that when we play 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, they're equally as effective in either formation. And I don't think we've quite got that at the minute. We've got a lot of players that play really well in a 3-5-2 but not so well in a 3-4-3. Or really well in a three-four-three, but not in a three-five-two. You look at, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Wangi Chan for example, and he looks half the player when Jimenez isn't playing. When he's got Raúl as a partner or someone to play off, he looks great. He was brilliant against Newcastle in the season, wasn't he? Two goals from Raúl's assists. You know, he's played well in other games when Raúl sort of played up front with him. Today he, he looked lost. He looked like he'd never played football before. He was kind it, of... it, to be fair as well. You could say the same about Neto. He never got in the game because again we didn't have someone like a Raúl or even a Fabio which can do that job to hold the ball up to bring them in and get the overlaps going. The ball just kept getting lost. And when Daniel Pedence is having a jump heading competition with their centre backs or midfielders, what chances he got? Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? That's again, that's the baffling thing. You looked at that front three when the lineup came out. You thought, okay, Pedence and Neto wide, Wang in the middle. But then they played, and Pedence was in the middle, and Wang was out wide. And you're thinking, well, against two big brute of a centre half, Pedence is going to struggle to get anything here. He needs the ball played into feet. He needs to be able to drop deep and get the ball on the half turn. The one time he did that, which is the what you mentioned earlier, he played a lovely ball in the diagonal channel and no one kind of went on to it. But apart from that, Pedence had, had very little say on the, the way the game went at all. Did he they? had and, a good shot, again, right, in, in added time in the end of the first half, which was saved by the team. He did, to be fair, yeah. But but again, you know, he's a player that we know when the system suits him and when we're playing, playing well, he's great. But on a day like today, when he doesn't contribute as much, it, it's no good, is it? Because he's not going to press all day and he's not going to drop back and win your set pieces and, and things. You know, we've got players, like we've just said, we've got players that are kind of very niche in terms of where they fit into a system. And when that system's not working or when we're not playing well in that system, those players get exposed a little bit. And, you know, people like Pedence today and, and Wang today didn't look very, very good. And and they're, they're good players. They're better than what they showed today. And I think it's as much to do with the sort of the the apathy and the sort of 
I'm trying to think of the word, the lethargy almost of, of the performance. We, we just weren't up for it and we didn't look, look energised. So yeah, I mean that that's a, that's fair. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do before we finish. We're just gonna look ahead in a in a bit to Watford and Everton. But before we get on to that, Jack, um, let's give us a, a couple of positives. Well, one positive maybe because you're gonna give us a man, your Wolves man of the match, and then your performance rating. I mean, man of the match is a difficult one. Because, like I said, I don't think any players really came off the pitch and, and kind of won their duel, or, or or could kind of go, yeah, I did, I did what I could for the team today. The only one who I think possibly could say that is Jose Sarr. So, so on that basis alone, I'm going to have to have to go almost by default and and say Sarr was my man of the match because I actually think he made a couple of very good saves. I'm not sure whether the linesman would have flagged them half an hour later like he was doing, and whether they would have counted anyway, but. You know, he made some very good saves and a couple of his kicks out were good as well and, and he tried to get us going. So, on that basis, I'm going to have to go with, with Sar. I mean, it was, it was very slim pickings today. So Yeah, big yeah. time. And your yeah. performance rating? <sighs> Three, I think. It, it wow. Was, I, 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 have to, I have to call it how I see it. And, and like I say, I'm, I'm scrabbling around to try and find positives and... You know, I mean, if if you were a Crystal Palace fan, you're probably thinking they give themselves a, a seven or an eight, because they probably played better than that this season and and might not even have won. You know, they yeah. they were good, they were good today, but but I think we made it a lot easier for them than than it perhaps needed to be. And I'm not sure we, like I said, really got going or you know the crowd was was a bit flat today, wasn't it? And whether it was, you know, the novelty of the Saturday 3pm. We've not had a lot of those this season, have we? And, and I think Molyneux comes to life under the lights, doesn't it? And, Big you know, when we're the underdog. And it just it felt flat all round today. And like you say, want to, want to write off and move it on. It did, 100%. So, guys, uh, Matinho or Saw for your man of the match, make sure you drop that in the comments. I also want to see you guys in the chat Posting your uh, performance rating, I want to get a gist of what you're going to give it. Um, whilst we move on to look at uh, the upcoming fixtures against um, Watford and then um, Everton. Now we're going to play a bit of role play here, Jack. If that's okay with you, go for okay. it. Yeah, I'm going to be one of the assistant managers, and you're Bruno Large, and I'm going to go right, Bruno. Let's just cut this back. What is your best team? What team are you going to put out on Thursday night and what formation? And you're Bruno and you've got to tell us. Right, OK. So I think we need to go back to 3-5-2. Yeah. I, th I think Saar picks himself. I think Kil I think Kilmer needs to come out of the firing line just for the minute. So you Completely drop... understandable reasons. Well, I, I, I think maybe he's two reasons why he's before, he hasn't been good in the last two games. One is obviously he's got relations in Ukraine, which I think has got to be on his mind. And two, Gareth Southgate's been at two of both the last two games watching him as well. But he's not going. He's not going to pick him if he's if he's watched him today, is he? And, and like oh. we said, that's completely understandable. So I think I think for for probably <clears throat> we talk a lot about mental health, don't we? Let's just give him give him a break. I think I think you know Bolly has to come back in. I think now. I think if you With were being Bolly really honest. Today. Bolly was on the bench today, yeah, and he was warming up and he was taking part in a lot of the, the sort of the pre-match drills and things, and he was up, trotting up and down the, the touchline. So he's obviously fit enough to to take part, isn't he? I mean, whether 
you know, Sace hasn't been great since he came into since came back from African Cup of Nations. Sorry, Fair so point. Fair point. do you bring Totti back in because he didn't let anyone down in, in the couple of games that he had? But then equally, do you want to change two out of the back three in one go? I know that's it, the question it, I was going to ask you. It's a balancing act, isn't it? But Bruno, Bruno, I'm sorry, mate. We're talking about your team and what best team and what you're going to put out. So you know, you, you're overcomplicating it here. What are you going with? We've got Saar, Bolly, yeah. Cody, yeah. and let's go Gomez. Then let's put let's put Totti back in. Totti Gomez. Okay, okay yeah. right. Carry on. Let, let's. Let's let's stick with the wing backs for now. Let's hope that Ait Nuri's fit and he can play. So, so Ait Nuri left wing back. Yeah. Let's have Johnny in at right wing back, just out of necessity. I would I would throw a complete curveball in and throw Dexter Lembekisser in from the under 18s but I'd rather have him playing Wednesday night to be honest. So let's stick with Johnny for now. You like him, don't you? I I think he's fantastic. I really really do. I think he's everything you want in a in a modern wing back, and I think we'll see a lot of him in the years to come. But let's let's go with Johnny for the time being. Got a good name as well. Oh, great! And commentators will love him, won't they? By the time they've finished saying his name, he'll have passed the ball or crossed it in or whatever. Yeah. Um, Let's go with the midfield three. Let's let's go Neves, Martinho, Dendonk because we know it it functions as a three. Yeah. So let's go with those, and let's have let's have Pedence and Raul as as our front two. Pedence and Raul as your front two. So basically, three five two. That that looks a decent side to me. I don't think Neto's fully match fit. Um, he didn't look it today, did he? he he'll, he'll benefit from having the error today, but he looked off it, didn't he? And and you could kind of he was frustrated. There's one point where he overrun the ball, didn't he, and booted it into the into the Graham Hughes stand, and he just, he just thought he's just he's not he's not going his way today, is it? And you know he's he's a, he's a good player to have on the bench to bring on with half an hour to go, isn't he? So so let's 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 keep him at that position at the minute. We don't need to rush him, do we? You know, we're not in the midst of a relegation battle, you know, so we don't need to rush rush him back. So let's just keep him with those little cameos for now. Guys, what do you think of uh, Jack's team? Oh, sorry, Bruno's team for Thursday night. He's been a little bit radical by dropping two out of the back three. Um, but would you would you agree with that, or do you think that's a bit too much? If that lineup came out on Thursday night, would you be like yes, or would you be like hmm? Let's see what they, they think. Um, and looking ahead to um, to the uh, Watford and Everton game, um, what are you expecting from both of these games? Whilst we get I mean, the year, lots of twos, know, threes, and fours, by the way, and Matinho's by the looks is the uh, in the in the thing. I can't see anything above a five, a, a four, on the uh, chat rating. I think that's about right, isn't it? I mean, I think the Watford game, not to be doom and gloom, I think it's going to be horrible, isn't it? I think I think that they've got they've got everything that that we don't like. They've got pace and power and, and strength up front, haven't they? They're, they're bound to be organised because that's the one thing that that Hodgson does really well above everything else, isn't it? He gets teams organised, compact and and solid and difficult to beat. I just hope that people don't sort of turn up expecting us just to turn them over. Well, we've been there. We've been there before, haven't we? With Wolves, and we get we get a game against a team down the bottom, and we think, oh, this will be all right. Early goal, get another one, two 0 job done, and it never works out like that. You know, there seems to be a pattern. You know that when we score first, we win. When we concede first, we lose. And I just don't want us to go one nil down against Watford because I can just see the crowd getting frustrated, and I can see. 
they'll drop deep and defend that and it'll be difficult for us to break them down. I think it's going to be a, a tricky evening. And and so that's why I'd, I'd perhaps with Bruno just say, right, what's the best team that we've got available and go and play them and just see what we can do. Because what, we, what we've done really well this season is we've had a very consistent lineup. You know, you've known who the back three were going to be, the goalkeeper, the two wing backs, the midfield, usually, whether it's the two or the three. And just lately, like I say, he just seems to be muddling himself up a little bit. And it's a bit like with Bruno at the minute. When you're swimming and you're going nice and calm, then all of a sudden a current comes along. The more you struggle, the, the, the more it becomes difficult. And what he's kind of got to do is kind of just get himself back into that, that calm water because he seems to be thrashing around a little bit at the minute trying to find a, a solution or find a new way of playing. Like we said today, he's dropped, he's completely reworked the entire forward line and it was even less effective than it was in the last game. Yeah. And it's kind of, you've just got to kind of really sort of narrow mind and go, right, how am I going to win this game? What am I going to do? When that team came out today, you just thought, that's not going to win us the game. That's not, and and you and it was it was there for us all to see before a ball was kicked, wasn't it? You know, and and that's not us being clever with hindsight. I'm sure everyone's sort of felt the same when the team lineup came out. It was a bit. I tweeted Raul on the bench. What does that say? Um, And like you saying, it says that I didn't think we were going to win. I I know Raul's not been on it for, as I say, and he's had a bit of criticism. But one thing he always gives is 150 percent. And he always puts himself about, and he always, as a, he's got some strength and class to, and there was just no stick up front. It was just coming back at us wave after wave after wave, and the defence just cracked again. They've lost a bit of confidence in the at, at the back as well, I think. Uh, yeah. Like you say, Kilman's got maybe other things on his mind. Saez hasn't been the same since he's come back. Um, and we were, and we're, and net, and we we've scored. Was it one goal in five, or no, two goals in five games, or something like this? And two, we haven't. Yeah, I mean, one in three, score. isn't it? Against Arsenal, and then we got two against Leicester, didn't we? And then so since then, it, nothing. Yeah, so I mean, but we haven't been prolific all season. Even when we were winning games, we weren't putting four or five past teams, were we? So you know, I mean, the, the goal scoring's been an issue all season hasn't it and we've kind of learned to live with that as, as a fan base and we've kind of gone it'll probably be 1-0 to us or it'll be 2-1 maybe you know we might even treat ourselves and get 3-1 of these weeks but hey, wouldn't it be wonderful wouldn't it be like wonderful if we could beat someone 3-4 or 5 it would be great wouldn't it we keep saying it's going to happen sooner or later like we're going to, it's going to go in I remember when we played Southampton years ago and we lost 6-0 remember and we were, yeah. we were singing we were going to win 7-6. I think they had six shots. And they yeah. all went, can't we have one of them? <laughs> It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, like like we said, I think the first goal that they've got today kind of sums up what's kind of wrong with us at the minute because we don't get that kind of break of the ball. I, I mean, like I say, I haven't watched it back. The people who are watching might have a better view than, than what we had from the North Bank. But it looked like it, it didn't have hit Sar and then just sort of spun back towards the guy and he had a simple tap in now we don't get that look of the spin but we also don't get players in the box to take advantage well the last one we had like that was when Dendonka was on the pitch and he he did make that he scored that goal didn't he against Tottenham it was a similar sort of yeah. thing where he reacted and there was someone there but he wasn't on the pitch I know he gets a lot of stick as well Dendonka he just looks at the way he runs and stuff but he, he's another one that 
he, he, he isn't a bad player. But I agree with you. He looks better in a three than a two. Yeah, and I think, like we've said, you want players that are effective. And for Dendonka to be effective, we've got to play a three. Last week against West Ham in, in that two, he was he was awful. You know, his, his awareness, his lack of pace, his, you know, his lack of physicality, really, for such a, a big guy is really exposed in a two. In a three, he can kind of be covered a little bit and protected and he can go and get on with what he's good at, which is breaking into the box late and, and sort of, you know, winning those little pickups on the edge of his own box where he, he kind of drops in between the other two midfielders and sort of picks up their number 10 or whatever the opposition are doing. He's really good at that, but he lacks in other areas. And when he's playing in the two, he's got to sort of really step up in those other areas and he, and he struggles to do that. And I think there's quite a few players like we've, we've gone through this evening that are kind of in the same sort of boat in our squad in that they're very, very good at what they do, but they have some deficiencies and when they have to play in a, in a two or when they have to play on their own, they those deficiencies are showing up a little bit more because they have to perform that. You know, you look at, um, for example, you know, different situation, I know, but if you look at Liverpool, their two fullbacks, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, now personally, I don't think they're great defensively, either of them. But when you've got Van Dijk and, and Canate and, and you've got, you know, Matip and then you've got Thiago and Henderson dropping deep, they don't need to be good at defending. They need to be good at getting forward and crossing the ball, which they're fantastic at. You know, whereas if you put Alexander Arnold and Robertson, say, in Watford's team or Norwich's team, where they have to do a lot of defending, they would yeah. really struggle. And I think it's the same with a lot of our players. If you took them out of our team and put them in someone else's team, they'd either look really, really good or they'd really, really struggle. And I think we've kind of got to that point now in, with this squad and this particular group of players. They've been with us a long time. I mean, Cody's played 300 games recently, Neves 200, Sais 200 oh, we, today. We should actually say as well, congratulations to Romain Sais, 200 games for Wolves yeah. today. Um, that is a big achievement, the Moroccan Moroccan Maldini, so that's a, a big achievement. I think what's highlighted um, these last three games is that we have really got to shake up the squad in the summer. Um, we've got to base. Bruno wants to. I don't know if you did. You listen to? Have you listened to the Spears podcast back yet? Have you had a chance? Not to? yet. No, it's on my to do list. I'll probably have a look tomorrow. Have yeah. you listened to that? Because yeah. what it was really quite insightful, actually. And um, Spears has said it. Bruno Large wants to play as his main uh, lineup as a four-two-three-one. He wants the three four three as the second and plan B and sort of like the like the uh, three five two is kind of the plan C. But his main thing that he wants to get to is four two three one, and he was saying that the 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 forwards that we've got kind of work in that formation, but he hasn't got the confidence in the uh, the defence at the moment, and obviously that sort of attacking midfielder that can. You know that Renato Sanchez type player. So I mean, I th- I think it's a it's the summer window is going to be so important for Wolves on bringing players in. He did say if we're going to spend big, we will have a little bit more money because of the TV re- revenue. And but if we're going to spend big, there's going there's going to have to be some a player go out. Obviously, we got um, Adama Troy. We talked about Trincao. Um, on there as well, 25 million. I mean, like, I think Paul was like, if you watch it back, you'll laugh at Paul because he was quite funny when we were talking about Trincao. But I think it's a big summer and 
we've got to literally, if Bruno wants to play that way, they've got to make sure they've got the players to play it. And then we'll, hopefully we'll see the best of a Bruno large side. Yeah, and I think what, what we need from, from the owners and, and the guys running the club is total commitment. Because if if Bruno Large is the man to take us forward and you know people have got their opinion on whether that's the case or not. He's I believe he is. He, I, I believe he is, yeah. but like you said, but they've got to back him in the summer. And, and they've got and they've got to back him one hundred percent. If he wants six players, for example, they've got to get him six players, not three players, an under twenty three being promoted, someone being bought back from loan. That's not what he wants, you know. We don't want another January where he says, I want a centre-half and, and the centre-half is Totty coming back from Grasshoppers. As good as he's been, that's not what Bruno meant, is it, when he said he wanted a centre-half? So it's got to be, you know, if, if he is the man to lead us forward and to take us into this brave new era, whatever you want to call it, he's got to have that total commitment from the board. And if he turns around and says, right, I want a striker, an attacking midfielder, a left wing-back, a centre-half, a centre-midfielder, they've got to back him. They can't just sort of half measures because that's not going to be good enough. That's just putting sticking plasters on it again, isn't it? And sort of saying, well, you know, I mean, we've got to be brutally honest. We've done really well to be eighth with this squad. You oh, know, that, well, yeah, he's done great. And the other thing is as well, like Nevers is the crown jewel. He's got to see that Wolves are wanting to go to the next level for it. Otherwise, he will go. As much yeah. as he loves Wolves. But, and if we don't get, if we get a European spot, it'll help. But he's got to know that Wolves are serious about going to the next and and, and buying into that vision because he's yeah. one. I mean, um, Ruben Ruben owes us nothing, does he? You know, he's been fantastic for us since the minute he walked in the door, and and his position is the same as anyone out there on the chat. If you're at work and you're doing your job and you're doing really well, but the, the staff around you aren't quite pulling their weight, you start to think, "Hang on a minute," and if if they're not replaced or they're not sort of given coaching and training to help them improve and if the replacements that they're given aren't as the same standard you start to think well maybe I'm better off somewhere else maybe there's some another company that would value me more and, and get better staff around me to help me and it's the same with footballers isn't it like you've just said Ruben Neves would stay at Wolves his whole career if, if he could because he loves it so much but it's got to be an ambitious progressing Wolves he doesn't want to spend the next 10 years in between 9th and 12th does he he wants to be pushing for Europe every week and he wants to be, you know, getting in those positions. He, want, he probably wants to get a regular spot in the Portugal squad in the, in the starting eleven, And he's not going to do that if we're, you know, in and around mid-table every year. So for his career, we've got to be better. And, and I think we can be. You know, we've got, to, we've got to be positive and say we can improve, but it's got to be a full commitment from the board, not sort of half measures and not, you know, patching it up with this player coming back from loan and, you know, Oh, we don't need an attacking midfielder because we've got Morgan Gibbs-White coming back. Now, Morgan Gibbs-White's been brilliant for Sheffield United this season, but it's at the Championship. And if Bruno Large wants a, a European standard attacking midfielder to come in, that's not going to be Morgan Gibbs-White, is it? So we can't sort of pacify him and say, well, don't worry about spending £30 million on Renato Sanchez. Morgan's coming back. Because that's not going to do it, is it? And we've got to be really honest with that. And the board have got to be up front and say to Bruno, haven't they? This is the budget you've got. And he's got to be really honest and say, well, these are the players that I want and this is how we're going to gonna push forward. Because I think there's potential there, isn't there? We've got some fantastic players in our squad. And 
we've got to sort of build around them. We can't just sort of let the big teams pick them off one by one because we're not progressing because that would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's it's intriguing, isn't it, really, that the state... I think it's... Uh, the one final question to finish the show because I think it's a very, very important summer that's coming up. If he gets inside Botman and he's playing his back four... And out of the unless out of the current squad, who's playing in that back four alongside Botman? On the on current form, it's Kilman, isn't it? So where's Cody? Yeah. Where does Cody fit into that team next year? Then if Kilman's playing in the back four, he doesn't, does he? And and that and that's the that's the conundrum he's got because if you take Connor Cody out of the team, then okay, you might get a better unit a better partnership at the back but you lose the leadership you lose the organization you lose you know that sort of spirit that that connor brings the, to the side and that's a difficult decision isn't it and, and, I, and I wouldn't end- can connor cody play in that two in the four two three one just in front of the back four <clears throat> well i think i think to be fair connor cody said himself hasn't he, he doesn't see himself as a as a midfielder anymore and I, and I don't think at 29, I think he is now, is he, that, he, that he's ready for, to reinvent himself again, having been a centre midfielder, then a right back, now a sweeper. I think we've got to kind of almost in, in some ways kind of say to Connor Cody, right, when we play a back three, and there will be some games where we play a back three, you're our number one sweeper. But when we play a four, okay, you might not be first choice. And, and, that's kind of the difficult conversation he's got to have, isn't it? Because there are some good players in our squad who, when everyone's fit, don't get in the team, and and that's a nice position to be in. And and I think we've got to, you've got to kind of be in that position, haven't you? That's what the top teams have, aren't they? They've got that genuine competition for places. Well, I mean, we were at West Ham last week, weren't we? And if you look at their substitute bench, I'm pretty sure it's like seven or eight international players. Who can't get into their starting starting lineup, and that's kind of what we want. We don't want a bench of under twenty threes plus John Ruddy. We want a, a solid squad where everyone who's on the bench is a quality player who can step up into that team, and the quality doesn't diminish. And I think when you start to improve the squad, and people like Cody, like Dendonka, like Wang and Pedence drop into being squad players and bench players, that's how your squad improves. You can't sign players as squad players to sit on the bench, it doesn't work. What you've got to do is sign players to improve your first 11 so that those players that are in your team then become your squad players. That's how you improve your depth. And I think that's what we've got to kind of start to do in the summer. Kind of look really, be forensic in the squad and go, right, this position, this position, this position, we need to improve our starting player. But the player that's there now, we're going to keep as a a rotation option or we're going to keep them as a a backup and and a squad option. And that's how you improve gradually and slowly. Because then what you're not doing is you're not signing nine, ten players every transfer window. You're sort of phasing one or two out of the squad, out of the starting lineup, sorry, every transfer window. And then in two, three transfer windows time, you've improved six or seven positions and you look a lot better team for it. How I mean that's how like if you look at where Liverpool were and stuff like that, they've gradually done that and to where they're put. And that's the dream of where we want to be. Um guys, it's been a fantastic show. Uh, again. Thank you to Paul, um, Jack and Matt, I think it was Matt, uh, to coming on today. We, we, we do want to try and get uh, some fresh faces that come on as well to add uh, 
add to the opinions. So if you fancy yourself getting on, um, you can get in touch with me on um, either my socials or in the description below on any one of those, the Always Wolves Facebook or any of the Always Wolves uh, socials. And a couple of people that have asked about how you get these green and become a member with the little wolf items uh, logos next to them. Well, these are all members and they all change colour on how long they've been a member. If you want to become a member, you can get on the Discord group and there's other benefit. The link is in the description below as well. And thank you as well to Spider VPN for, for powering the show. Um, Jack, hopefully next uh, Sunday night, probably Monday night, uh, will be the next extra time. And hopefully we're talking about a success of the under-18s. We do wish those boys all the best. I'm not, not 100%, not sure whether I'll be there or not uh, yet because um, Emma's, as I say, she's got covid um at the moment she's just she's well she's um she's got sore throat but she didn't go today so we're going to see how she recovers but if not hopefully jack we can do a little bit with you uh maybe do a bit of a report um to go on the channel on that but we'll i'll talk to you about that after and um and then hopefully we got uh we got the watford and everton games to look back so hopefully next monday we've we're talking about the uh, under 18s getting through to the final the women have won another game and we've took, taken six points out of Watford and Everton, and the whole world is looking a damn sight better than it is tonight. Uh, and that, and we've scored, and we've beaten someone three or four nil. That would be wonderful. That's the dream, isn't it? And and that's the point, isn't it? To finish on, it does only take one thing to turn everything round. You know, we're all, we're all on a day on a tonight, and, and rightly so because that performance was poor, and we can all see that. But a win against Watford, you know, a good result for the 18s a result at Everton and all of a sudden, you know, Europe looks back on and, and Bruno's got it right and, and things are looking a bit more rosy in the garden. And it doesn't take a lot, does it, sometimes? You know, as football fans, we kind of, everything sort of pinges on the result, doesn't it? And you kind of, if you lose, everything's rubbish and the sky's falling in. If you win, you know, you, you, you're gliding home, aren't you, and everything. And, and sometimes, you know, that that's great and that's the natural sort of order of football fans, isn't it? But it doesn't always help, does it? Because sometimes... You have a right. bad result and, and it just feels like the end of the world and right. there are more important you. things out there, aren't there? So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like two weeks ago, we were dreaming of Champions League and then like everything was like going great guns. And then two weeks later, we're like, can we get Conference League? And in another two weeks, we might be back in the um for the, you know, in really good position for the for the Europa League. That's why we love football. It's all about the joy and the pain of um of supporting your team. We've had a bit of um, heartache and pain in the uh, the last couple of weeks, but hey, maybe we'll be celebrating, uh, you know, some joy and happiness next week. Good luck to the uh, to the Wolves under 18s on Wednesday at Old Trafford. You can do it. We believe in you. And if Wolves have not won the FA Youth Cup since is it 1954 when they beat Chelsea Greaves's Chelsea or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's around then, isn't it? It's, it's a long time ago. It's, so it's long overdue, isn't it? And if they did get through, it's because it's a weird thing because it's not a neutral venue. The final will be at if they got if they beat uh, beat Man United at Old Trafford, which is a one legger, so they are up against it, disadvantage away. But if they've got through that, the finals at Molyneux. And I reckon there'll yep. be about 10,000 there for that. I bet you there'll be a crowd for that if they got through. Oh, easily, easily. Uh, you can see everyone getting behind it, can't you? I mean, 
the sort of the uh, the buzz has has grown steadily through the the competition, hasn't it? You know, and people are starting to take take an interest in, and and it's great for them. You know, we've talked a lot about it. You know, those young lads they need to play in front of crowds and they need to play in in big games and big occasions. And I think it, it it's fantastic for them to to be where they are and and whatever happens on 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 the Wednesday. What, that they've what, done as what's the odds? Against United, is are they very evenly matched teams? Are United hot favourites? I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not over the Man United under 18 squad. I don't know how good they are, but I know how good we are, and I think we can certainly give them a game. Whatever we, you expect, Man United to have a very good academy and, and a good team, don't you? That's kind of a given at youth level. But we'll give them a game. Don't you worry about that. We'll give them a game. So you know, let's see what we can do. Are you travelling up by car or on the coach? I'm not 100 percent sure yet. It depends what, what I can do with work wise and, and see what what's going on. So, but I'll, I I do want to go if I can. So, you know, because I've, I've followed it all the way through, so it'd be nice. But uh, we'll see, have to see what's going on. Phantom. Well, let's hope let's hope they do it. Good luck to the boys. Right. Thank you, Absolutely. everyone in the chat, uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, before you go, please smash a, a like on the uh, the video. And if you're watching this back on YouTube, please do that because it lets YouTube know that you in, you've enjoyed this sort of content. And uh, if you are subscribed, please hit the bell because you get notified. And if you're not, you've joined us for the first time tonight, please consider subscribing to the channel. And on the podcast, uh, feel free to give us a rating. Let us know what you think of the podcast as well on the Always Wolves. It'll be out in the morning. And uh, until then, from myself... From the pundits, from Jack, who's with me right now, love to you and your families. Keep the faith. Keep, stay positive. As Jack says, it can all turn around very, very quickly. Always Wolves. Always Wolves. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.